Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Hans. Dr. Hans is the founder of the Investing Tutor. He has a passion to help his community build generational wealth. This led him to create the first investment tutoring business in the United States. In this episode, we discuss his thoughts on the current state of the economy, how people can prepare during these economic times, and ways people can build wealth during economic uncertainty. As always, we hope you get a lot out of this episode. And as a reminder, this episode is for informational and educational purposes only. Please make sure you conduct your own due diligence or consult with a financial professional before making any financial decision. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Dr. Hans, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you both for having me. Super excited to uh, to chat with you all. Yes, yes. So for those who may not know you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'd like to start off by sharing how, you know, I'm uh, born and raised from Ghana, West Africa, and grew up in a, a middle, I would say upper middle class family. And the reason I like to set that context is because of, you know, what happened after we immigrated to uh, the United States. And, and most immigrants would be able to empathize with this version of the story. So upper middle class in Ghana, West Africa, where, you know, going to school, you have a driver that drops you at school. You kind of, um, you know, have really nice things back home. But then we get to the United States and life starts in Bronx, New York. And we go from upper middle class to bottom 20% when you look at the income decile, so pretty much close to poverty. And to put that into context, we were sharing an apartment building with another family. So it was a two-bedroom apartment. I, you know, I lived with my parents in one and sibling. And then the other family also had two kids you know, in the other room. Super, super humble beginnings. I also like to share how the only assets that I owned back then was a Metro card where I kept my money on there <laughs> to be able to kind of use the subway X, Y, Z. And, um, you know, started with a job at a, a child's clothing store. I was being paid about $7 an hour, you know, when I started working for minimum wage. So in terms of the full story, it could be very, very long, but to fast forward, I went from New York city and, you know, parents and relatives would say, if you want to be successful in, in, in America, go to school and get a good job, right? And preferably the careers that you'd want to look into are, uh, you know, becoming something in the healthcare profession. So a doctor, you know, an engineer, some kind of, you know, well-paid <laughs> craft. So I decided to pursue pharmacy. So I went to pharmacy school in Buffalo, New York. Uh, fast forward after pharmacy school, you know, went on and did an MBA. But the important part of this story was right before pharmacy school, I met this gentleman and he encouraged me to read a book. The title of the book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And when I read the book, that was the first time that I was introduced to what is money? How do you build wealth? How do the rich kind of um, create wealth or manage their money? And it blew my mind for the first time. I was like, wow, no one really spoke to me about money when I was growing up. So being able to learn about investing and acquisition of assets, what is money? How is wealth built? How is wealth created? It really inspired me. So from then, 
I went on to read over 400 books on the topic of money and wealth building. And I've read well over 40,000. At this point, it's probably over 50,000 financial journals, reports, blogs. And in 2016, I wanted to share all of what I had learned over that period of time. So I launched the first investment tutoring business in the U.S., and since that time, I've just been um, sharing with individuals in, you know, in, in underrepresented communities. So immigrants, minorities, women, and millennials who weren't born into rich and wealthy households. Wow. That you have an amazing story. And so um, thank you for sharing that with us. You know, one thing that stood out to me, you came from a country where you, you said that you were upper middle class, where you, it sounds like you were leading a good life. You know, you had a driver that would take you to school. So why did your family decide to actually come to this country and be basically near the poverty line? Yeah, you would, they didn't know that. It's, it's quite interesting. America is viewed as, and it is, right? You know, this land where there's incredible abundance, there's incredible wealth, and for some reason, you're made to feel that any country in Africa is, even if you're living, you know, the good life, so to speak, it's, it's not the same as being in the U.S. I was having a conversation with a gentleman who, was, who is considering retiring in Ghana, and I, I told him this, and it applies to all of your listeners. If you are middle class in America or the United States, and you move to Ghana and settle in Ghana, you're going to be in the top 1% and you'll be able to live a 1% lifestyle. But if you're 1% in the US and you go to Ghana, you're going to be, you're going to be living like uh, Jeff Bezos and, and, and Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, like the billionaires, because the exchange rate of currency, it, it makes it in such a way that when you're in Ghana, your money can do a ton, you know, when you go in there with US dollars. So there's this idea that America is the greatest, right? So when you're coming in, it, it was, it was a, a harsh reality, you, you know, and also not all states and cities in, in, in America are the same. We used to watch Home Alone and all of these American, uh, amazing American movies. So the, the assumption is when I get here, that's how it is. <laughs> you get it. I remember uh, one of my favorite movies back then was American Pie because of all of the college parties. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get to America. <laughs> and I was dropped off in Bronx, New York. So you can imagine <laughs> the, the trauma <laughs> with, with all of these dreams of college parties. and <laughs> Very different, right? Than what you expected. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so when my parents, when we were coming over, the expectation was like, this is America right? We weren't coming into, but when you look at the exchange rate of the money you're bringing, which by the way, you take that money and you pretty much divide it into four, right? Because you're converting the Ghanaian cities $2 and it reduces your purchasing power significantly. And so it was very, very humble beginnings. It took us about almost a year to be able to afford a one bedroom apartment of our own. And I went from we went from sharing a home with another family to having one home, but I, I, had a, I got to sleep in the living room. There was a pullout sofa. And I tell this story because, and I say this humbly, like going from you know, bottom 20% to, to top 1% in the US, 
I want individuals to know that regardless of where you come from, and I didn't have any connections. I don't, you know, I, I don't have a, a rich father who could give me a loan of a million dollars. None of that. It was understanding how money works, understanding the U.S. financial system, and then just following those rules and principles and just slowly working my way up to where I am today. So I want anyone and everyone listening to know that they too can you know, make their way uh, to the top, regardless of where they, they are coming from. I love it. But, you know, especially now, it, you know, it feels like given, you know, the high rates of inflation, given where we are with so much uncertainty in the economy, it almost feels like it is impossible for people to get ahead today. And so I'm curious about your thoughts. Like, what are your thoughts on the current economy in this country? Yeah, extremely concerned. And, you know, my mind is going in like a million directions right now. It's like, where do you start from? Right. Let me take a step back and say this. At a basis, investing is how you build wealth, right? Because you cannot save your way to wealth, right? A savings account doesn't grow money. It's just meant to keep money so that if you need it for an emergency or something, you know, you're able to access it. So investing is the way to build wealth. And that requires patience. And I want to start by saying that let's hyper-focus in on kind of the current economic conditions and how we got here. We're looking at inflation rates, you know, north of 8%. At some point this year, we saw inflation at 9%. The last time that we've seen inflation this high in the United States was in the 70s. What that means is that most of our generation, myself included, we've never had to live through what the stock market does in a high inflation period, right? So even me, I was shocked with how quickly tech stocks pulled back during this kind of inflationary environment. I was shocked with how, you know, crypto assets pulled back during this inflationary environment. And looking at the S&P 500 itself, the almighty S&P, right, which captures all all different companies and and markets, uh, down 25% so far, right? So individuals who might be looking at this and and if they were someone who started investing maybe in the past two, two years, because right after COVID, when, you know, the stimulus checks were going out, investing was the new cool thing. So many individuals in our communities came in, Robin Hood and buying, you know, the fun investments. And here we are, right? How did we get here? So initially the stimulus packages that, you know, were passed was meant to bridge us so that while the economy in the U.S. was shut down, we could at least have some money coming in so that it bridges us to get to the other side. But obviously we got <laughs> quite excited with them and it pushed for gov- uh, you know, governments to want to do more, right? And, and it became, uh, we overdid it. I believe we issued over three different stimulus packages. We even provided child tax credits, which I'm not saying is bad, but I'm just explaining how we got to where we are. We provided PPP loans to even rich and wealthy individuals, right? Once again, not saying that that's bad. I'm just sharing how we got here. So we pumped a ton of money into uh, the economy. Here's how inflation works. So there are two things that impact inflation, okay? 
there's the demand for things, meaning the, let's just call it the purchasing power, the, the amount of money that people have to purchase something, right? So demand. And then there's the supply, which is the availability of, of the things that you want to buy, right? Whenever you have demand, meaning people with more money willing to buy something, far in excess of the available things that they need to buy, you have an increase in, in the price of those things, right? So for example, let's say homes, right? We saw end of 2020 into 2021, home prices shooting up. Why? More people with more money, right? And you're not necessarily increasing the supply of homes in just a year. It doesn't happen that way. You can build several, several homes so fast. So we saw a 30 to 40% increase in home prices, in just such a short period of time, because there's a ton of money in the system chasing a limited supply of homes. And not only are certain supplies of things staying the same, we had a case where China, which is the a major manufacturing country for the world, right, is also going through COVID and supply chain. So now there's even less supply of things coming to the United States. So not only do we have a fixed supply, we have less of a supply. So now you have more money and less things to be able to buy with the money. So this is where we find ourselves where inflation has gotten to about eight to 9%. And now there's a fear of a recession headed our way next year. And many individuals might not understand why do we keep hearing about a recession and, and all of this? It's, it's simply because of this. In the beginning, I told you that there are two factors that impact inflation, right? Demand, meaning people with more money, and then the supply, which is the availability of things we can buy. The Federal Reserve is trying to reduce inflation. The Federal Reserve, the, the main power that they have is to be able to control the money in circulation within the economy. That's the only power they have. The, the Federal Reserve cannot go and make more homes or they cannot go and create more groceries, <laughs> right? They, they cannot help us with supply chains to increase the quantity of goods that we have in the system. So what that means is that the Federal Reserve is looking at taking money out of the system. Another way to do that is by reducing the purchasing power of people. And this doesn't sound good, but it's, it's the fact, unfortunately. The way you reduce the purchasing power of people is to get them to lose their jobs. So in essence, the Federal Reserve is tightening the economy to the point where companies can no longer afford to borrow money to keep their businesses running. So what they start to do is they start to lay off employees or fire employees. And once we, the Federal Reserve begins to see unemployment increase by 1% or 2%, right now they are targeting 1%, but you never know the outcome, right? And they don't realize 1% is, is almost about 1 point something million people who will lose their jobs. So it sounds bad, but I want to also put it into context. We have close to about 100 plus million people working, right? So 1 million people is just 1%. It doesn't sound that bad, but 
that's a million people, right? So I don't want to scare people listening to this because a hundred million people and, and one million people or two million could lose, lose their jobs. It doesn't mean if you are listening, it's going to be you, but someone is likely going to be impacted. And I want us to know this. And I also want us to understand what's happening so that we prepare for what's ahead. Yeah. So one of the key things that you said is, is prepare. And I'm thinking of, you know, what are some of the things that people can do to prepare during due to all these economic factors? Yeah, I would say the most important thing that you can do is to begin to save as much as possible. Now, if an individual is working for a company, they should continue to take advantage of, let's say, an employer match, like a matching contribution. But outside of that, in my opinion, and for the majority of this year, I've been hesitant on going on Robinhood and kind of buying like stocks and things of that nature, because this is the time that you need to be saving. And the reason is because you are hearing and seeing the news of inflation is coming in hot, meaning it, it keeps in this high range of eight to 9%, right? So it means that the Federal Reserve will continue to tighten even more. So while you know they are tightening, which constricts the economy and brings the stock market down, this isn't the time to be on Robin Hood trying to be, you know, to do doing most of those things. With a retirement account, it's completely fine. And the reason is because when you put money in a retirement account that matches, you immediately get a 100% return on your money right? Because they are matching dollar for dollar up to a certain amount. So you put in, let's say 5K, they are matching 5K. Where can you get a 100% return in, in a split second in this economy? Nowhere. <laughs> that's the answer. So that's why you want to continue with a retirement account. But with a Robinhood and things of that nature, me personally, my strategy is just to hold off. For now, I'm going to save all of that capital up until it is clear inflation is headed down. In my mind, I would want to see inflation pretty much less than 5 or 4% to begin kind of uh, getting back into buying stocks and maybe ETFs and things of that nature. And the reason this is strategic is this. I want to give you an example. And I'm just picking a random company. Netflix or Zoom, right? Any of these companies, they are down significantly. I haven't checked the percentage, but let's assume that it's down 90%. It's probably down 70 or 80, but let's use 90% for this example. What that means is from the height of the price point of that stock, it's lost 90% of, of its value. The question you have to ask yourself now is, do you think these companies are going to go out of business? Let's say, you know, Netflix or Zoom. Do you think that companies are going to go out of business? If the answer is no, then the, then the next question is, what is the likelihood that over the next, let's say, 10 years, it could go back to the original price it was before that 90% decline? Let's assume sometime during this next 10 years or so, it could just go back to its original price. What that means is an individual, if they buy, right, at this 90% reduction, they will see a 10x increase in their money if 
any of these companies just go back to the original price. That's what happens after a 90% drawdown. So what I'm sharing is the people that buy, when this, this whole efforts that the central bank is doing with quantitative tightening and increasing interest rates, once inflation comes down and you take a portion of the savings that you've been putting aside and you go into the market, you are able to buy companies at really low prices to the point where even if they go back to the original price, you can see 5x gains, 10x gains. So what that means is someone who invests $1,000 can just easily grow their money to 10K just by it going from the low point to back to where it is. If someone had 10,000, they could see that money grow to 100K, right? Now, it sounds simple. Obviously, you can't just pick any random company. It has to be a company that can, one, grow and continue to grow into the future and has had kind of like an 80, 90, 70% drawdown to see that level of growth. But let's even take larger companies that many of us are familiar with. Facebook. Facebook is down significantly. I think about 70%, right? So that's a company that might not grow 5 or 10x in five years, but maybe it gives double or triple. That's if they're able to figure out this whole metaverse strategy that they are implementing. But that would be what I would say, save as much as possible. The concept of buying the dip, I would pause on that, but continue with you know, retirement accounts, especially ones that provide a matching contribution. You know, I think I think that's very real, really prudent advice, especially because you know you see on social media that you know the stock market is on sale, buy the dip, et cetera, et cetera. So you're kind of saying something a little opposite of that, right? Like mm-hmm. manage your retirement, right? Keep going there, especially if you have a match, but make sure you're saving money. So I'm curious though, where should so people that hear this and are going to start saving, where should they be saving their money? Because earlier in the conversation, you know. We know you you mentioned kind of that there's a difference between saving and investing. And so where should people be putting their money if they are saving? Yeah. And I know that there's this love for, and I have nothing against them at all, high yield savings account because people are like, well, well, what if I could put it in an account that earns 2% or 2.5 or 2.4? Sure, you can do that and try and just find one, you know, an account that does that. And that's okay. But the most important thing is to not complicate it, honestly, because the goal is during a period of inflation, as they increase interest rates, it makes the US dollar the most sought after currency. To put it into context, I'm from Ghana, West Africa. I shared it with you. At the beginning of this year, if you took a dollar to Ghana, you would get back six Ghana cities. Okay. As of this recording, if you take a dollar to Ghana, you get 12 Ghana cities. So the Ghanaian currency has depreciated against the dollar pretty much 100%. Well, I guess if you look back, you can say maybe 50%. But you get what I'm, 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 I'm saying. What that means is the dollar is becoming strong. Why does that happen? And this gets a little bit technical, but please follow me. When the US government, excuse me, when the central banks are increasing interest rates. What they are doing is they are increasing the payments that the government makes on the bonds that it sells. 
Okay, so the U.S. government sells bonds. A bond is a promise to pay back in the future a certain percentage. So let's say a bond is paying 5% for 10 years. When you buy a bond, you know you're going to get a guaranteed 5% of your money for 10 years. And at the 10-year mark, you get your money back, right? That's how bonds work. So as interest rates increase, it actually increases the percentage payments on bonds. So imagine all of a sudden you hear that the U.S. government is paying 9% on bonds. No one is going to be buying stocks. That's why stocks fall. People don't understand. Why is the stock market falling? If I can give my money to the United States government (laughs) and get a 9% guaranteed rate of return, people are not buying stocks. People are not buying crypto. They are not yellowing into any type of investment. They are going to allocate their money to that bond because what? It's considered risk-free. Does that make sense? Well, a bond is a promise to pay back dollars. That means that there's more demand for dollars. More people want dollars. And all countries across the world, if they see that, the dollar is paying or the bond is paying a 9% rate of return, right? And I'm not saying it's going to get to such a high point. That demand for dollars, unfortunately, has the reverse impact on other foreign countries, right? Because then they have to exchange their money to get dollars. So I see all of that to say, when interest rates are going up, it makes the dollar the most sought after currency. So even if you're not seeing that your bank account is paying you 1% or 2% on your dollar, the value of your dollar is increasing. That's why you see the pound falling, you see the euro falling, right? Why is that happening? The dollar is becoming stronger. So once people understand that, they just prioritize saving, 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 saving. If If you have a high yield savings account, use it. If you have a regular savings account at your bank, use it. The strategy is get ready for 2023 because at a certain point, inflation will come down. My estimates is we're probably looking at, you know, close to summer around fall where we see inflation really come down. So sometime next year would be an ideal time for individuals to be able to deploy a portion of that savings back into the market. Yeah, no, and it definitely understand, right, to save as much as you can just to protect yourself, right? Have that emergency fund, right, which, you know, for us, we say six months emergency fund to have at minimum. Right and now, during a possible recession. Yeah, just to, <laughs> just to, you know, have that just in case, right? You know, like you drive a car, you have insurance, you, you know, own a home, you have insurance, like, you have money, you should have it insured with your emergency fund. So it's important to have that, right? And I love that where you talk about just our state of our economy as well. But, you know, there are people now, right, who have been waiting for this moment, right, for the market to start having volatility. So what is it like a path, right, for people to build wealth? Because a lot of times they say when there is a recession, if we are in one technically or not, this is an opportunity where people will start to build wealth. So what yeah, about like people, dollar cost averaging? What about that opportunity that people can do in terms of building their wealth due to the market being down? 
Yeah. And I think, Angie, you are, you are going to add to that. No, I was just going to say people have been waiting for another 2008 for <laughs> a long yes. time. And so like this is the time. And so, you know, millionaires are made in times like this. So we want to know how do we benefit and how do we. Yes. Uh, Yes. And in 2008, the market fell. But guess what? It was it wasn't until 09, right, that the market actually bottomed. So if you go steady or look at the S&P 500 over that period of time, the market was falling from kind of like mid 2007 and it kept coming down through 2008. And you would have some rallies along the way. The market can come up 20%, 30%, and then it just retraces even lower. It kept doing that till it, it finally bottomed in 2009, right? But with that being said, to your point, if someone has been out of the market for whatever reason, or if someone has excess savings. So they are not starting to save this year. They already have the capital. It's been, you know, been put on the side somewhere. Oh my gosh, they are at an advantage, right? If I was that individual, maybe, right? And I'm saying maybe because in my mind, I'm like, I kind of know, you kind of get a sense of how this plays out. So to me, it's clear that the Federal Reserve is going to keep tightening. So I personally wouldn't want to deploy money into the markets knowing what's about to come. But if you had a lot of excess capital and you want to play it safe because no one, even though I'm sharing these strategies with you, no one knows with 100% certainty what can happen. And here's why. If over the next few weeks, there was a major economic event that happened and it was threatening to the U.S. economy, the Federal Reserve is going to stop increasing interest rates and they are going to start to reduce it or pump money into the economy because they would much rather safeguard and protect the U.S. economy than to just continue to increase rates and destroy it, right? So this is me sharing that I'm assuming nothing catastrophic is going to happen to the economy. If that's the case, then more than likely next year is when they will pivot, which means they will change their strategy. But no one knows with 100% certainty. So the individual who is looking at markets right now can say to themselves, hey, the market is already down 25%. Tech stocks are already down 50 to 60 to 70 percent, right? Some stocks are even down 80, 90 percent. Maybe this is when I begin to nibble, right? Is, is the term. And if I was that person thinking constructively this way, right? Dollar cost averaging is a phenomenal strategy. Or what I could do is I could, you know, take the money I have, split it into three, and put a third into the market right now, meaning that I still have two thirds that I can allocate next year. And that wouldn't be bad at all. But for an individual who does not have the six-month savings or if they can even buffer it up a bit more, right, looking at what's ahead, for that individual, I wouldn't focus on dollar cost averaging right now. You need to have that savings account. Like, you absolutely need to. And here's why. What's happening has never happened in 40 years. We honestly don't know what this economy is going to be like next year. We can have a very simple, shallow recession where it doesn't really impact any of our lives, or we can have a horrible recession where it gets really bad, right? And no one knows whether we're going to have a shallow or a serious recession. So you absolutely need, in my opinion, at least six months to a year's worth of capital on the sidelines. 
that will buff that will buffer you and kind of safeguard you over kind of what's you know in the future. And if things are not that bad, which we pray it won't be, and there's a possibility it won't, then you can take a portion of that money and take advantage of that market bottom. And believe me, that is truly when millionaires are created. That's really when wealth is built, when you can buy great assets or investments at really low prices. I love what you said (laughs) because (laughs) it's important, right? Because I think you're right. Like this is a season of preparation and thank God for that. Thank God, you know, people are shouting the... What is it? I was going to say, you know, in the war, like he said, the, the British are coming. I won't, we'll, we'll cut this part out. But, you know, the British are like people, are, people are telling us that we need to prepare. We see it in the news. And so this is the time to really make sure that you have that six months to one year emergency fund. Yeah, it's That's important to have your yeah. foundation yes. in place, foundation. right? Like, yep. you know, there's ha- homes that are built on sand and there's homes that are built, you know, in dirt and, and, and cemented and, you know, deep rooted into the ground. And that's what you want to be during this time so that, mm-hmm. you know, even if, you know, the hurricane doesn't come, right? Like you still have a well-built foundation and you can go, you know, to higher places where it comes to yeah, your personal and like finances. You, like you said, like if you do... If things work out, th- infl- uh, the recession isn't as bad, you can take that lump sum of money, a portion of it, and put it into the market. So I think that's good yeah, advice. Good advice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and there, you know, everyone, you know, you look back at your own personal situation. Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have a job that is not recession-proof, but is it, you know, a, a strong and strong demand, right? Are you up to date with your skills, right? Do you have the certification certificates, knowledge? Do you have the network in place, right? And then having a game plan, right? For what ha- what could happen, yes. right? I, all those things will help you during this time. And I think just being prepared is always important. Yep. Yeah. And, and to live kind of leave a glimmer of hope, individuals need to understand that the U.S., especially the central bank, which controls, you know, the amount of money that's in the system, they will not let things get like extremely bad, right? So they will step in and kind of, you know, like what happened with COVID when we were, you know, locked in, stimulus checks were going out because the U.S. has gotten to a point where the income inequality is so high that they understand what happens if the economy gets too tight or too strict. So they are always on guard and ready to step in as needed, right? So I don't want individuals to, you know, have this sense of fear and panic, but we don't know. And the reason I say we don't know is because this hasn't happened in 40 years. So there is a very low likelihood, extremely low likelihood, things can get extremely bad. And if that's the case, you need to be prepared. But if it doesn't get too bad, at least you have additional capital that you can deploy to build wealth. You know, Dr. Hans, you dropped a lot of great information, advice to our listeners, especially during these uncertain times. I again, the message is to prepare, prepare now so that we're ready for 2023, whatever may come as far as a recession. So for those who want to keep up with you, where can they find you? Yes, yes. And I want to thank you both for having me. In my mind, I'm like going into these details and intricacies of Federal Reserve doing this and how that impacts bonds and interest rates. And I'm like, I hope, you know, you all are following because I don't want it to be too complicated, right? But ultimately, 
to summarize before sharing where they can they can uh, they can find me when covid hit there was a lot of loose monetary policy which left the economy booming now we're going through the opposite of that because they are trying to fix everything that 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 went on right so they are now taking money out of the system so please while they are taking money out of the system you need to secure the bag <laughs> Keep some for yourself in, in, in a savings account as they are sucking money out of the system. That's all that we're trying to tell you. Like, take some out of the system now, put it aside so that as they are sucking money out of the system via very high mortgage rates and all of the crazy things that you see, you still have a safety net on their side. In terms of where they can find me, my website is theinvestingtutor.com. I have several free uh, courses that you know they can just watch to learn about my thoughts about money and and things that I share. In terms of Instagram, I, I'm at theinvestingtutor.com, and I'm sure it will be in the show notes. Uh, please be careful about kind of the fake accounts online that DM people and follow people. My main account right now, I think it's about 40k followers. And I just constantly try and keep most of uh, my followers up to date on what's happening in markets, what happens daily with uh, economic news and things happening, and just continuing to serve, similar to what uh, you two are doing. So thank you so much for having me. You know, go ahead, babe. No, I mean, you know, you are, you know, educating others. Like you are a true tutor when it yes. comes to investing. So we appreciate everything. And you you're broke doing it down well. very easily. Like I think, you know, <laughs> very complex information, very concisely. And I think easily digestible to, to the masses. So thank you for that. Yes. Yeah, thanks so much. Okay. Welcome. Thanks, Dr. Hans. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. 